passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, did you, uh, did you try to pee? <laughs> is there something funny? Well, Chad, oh, is there? easy. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't get pissed. <laughs> think, think it's all a joke, do you? All a joke on me? To make right, you okay. laugh? Whoa, 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 relax, relax. Look, look, there's no problem here. There's no beef here. Okay, Chad and I, we're just happy to see that you're in bladder shape than last <laughs> night. Bladder shape, bladder shape. Well, I got news for you. You're in trouble now because <laughs> I have... <laughs> It's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello everybody, welcome to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock alongside Waiting. This Monday night, coming off the Survivor Series, and our third night at the Staples Center. How are you, Way? Doing good. Pretty good on this Monday. How are you? I'm doing swell. I had a moment during Raw where it was, there were like 30 minutes left in the show, and I remembered there's no more overrun. And I can't tell you the joy that brought me when I realized this at about 10.30 at night, that this was going to end at 11 and not eleven fifteen. It's kind of like discovering like ten dollars in your pocket that you forgot yes. that you left there. Yes, yeah. it was like just the greatest realization. I hope I forget for at least another month that the overrun is gone because it's so wonderful to remember that late in an episode of Raw. Yeah, someday like the pay per views are going to go down back to three hours, and we'll have no kickoff, and we'll be like, oh my god, like that'll be the greatest day every 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 time they do a pay per view. But like, I think now I have to kind of rethink my DVR viewing habits because I I realize like typically you know with the with the overrun I have a, a bit, like I could get by and catch up by the end of Raw. Um, I can even de- like I could delay it by an hour. I could start Raw at like nine o'clock and and if I zoom through all the all the entrances and things like that, all the recaps, I can catch up to the to the live feed by like eleven like by the end of the overrun. But now without the overrun. I realize my buffer time is a lot less, so I need to start recalculating. Yeah, you've got to go back and now redo everything. I was thinking about this on Sunday as we were getting set to watch uh, a show that began at 5 p.m. and was going to run until 11 p.m. Back in the days of when you would have a one-hour Sunday night heat 
and a pay-per-view that never went the full three hours. It would finish at like 250 or something like that. What a, what a world that we used to live in. But, you know, at the same time, though, you had your WC... Like, you remember, that was Raw and Nitro. And you would have probably have to watch uh, ECW. So I'm talking about pay-per-views. Well, I guess I'm talking about overall content time. But Yeah, I mean, there, was, there was still a lot of television every week to watch. But I would argue more of a diverse amount of content you were watching every week. You watched mm-hmm. two hours of Raw. I mean, three hours of Nitro was still ridiculously long. And then you throw in Thunder, SmackDown, ECW. That's just the readily available television. I mean, God forbid if you were trying to follow other stuff, if you were tape trading. Um, 20 years from now, John, we're going to look back at, at this period as like a breeze because I think 20 years from now, we're going to have probably like five shows a night that we might need to start covering. Or maybe it'll just be they sell individual segments and matches like you log in on a Monday night and the WWE has launched their version of iTunes where they put up six segments for you to pay a dollar to consume or you just skip it. And all the content comes down to about 28 minutes because people don't want more. They want less. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, I think you could pioneer that system. I'd like to see how that might work out. Well, think about it. If you were to catch up on Raw tomorrow, how much would you go back and watch? Uh, from this show? Yes. I think I, I would well, go on... What segments their, would you go out of your way from tonight I'll to, tell you, to I would, watch? I would go on their YouTube, and I would yes. pick the segments with characters that I care about. So I would probably watch the Ronda thing. I mean, I might you know scrub through the, the Dean Ambrose-Seth Rollins deal at the end. Um, just to kind of, you know, uh, just see what how that storyline is, is going. And then um, what else is there on this show? Would you... would you The opening segment, maybe? Maybe. How about the 32-minute match that followed the opening segment? Would you watch that? No, of course not. There, that has no relevance to any storyline. Yeah, you'd watch the attack at the end. The, uh, what attack at the end? I'm trying to think back. Braun Strowman. Oh, yes. I mean, was that all that relevant? What does that change uh, in the grand scheme of things? The match. Well, we should get into the news actually, because there is a news item uh, regarding Braun Strowman. Oh, okay, okay. So he is hurt. He is apparently going for elbow surgery, and that was tonight's um, angle to set that up. Uh, I was told the surgery is going to be next week, and they're not going to know how long he's going to be out until uh, he gets through the surgery. The fact that they set up the match for TLC tells me that they're optimistic he'll be able to wrestle uh, next month at TLC, but I guess that's not guaranteed either. I mean, it's elbow surgery. That's not like a, you know, it's it's not massive surgery, but it's not nothing either. I mean, you set that up. They also set up the Brock versus Strowman at the Rumble. Well, the Rumble, you would... You would think he should be okay by the rumble, but that maybe he won't be back until January. I mean, you, yeah. you just it just sounds like they don't know exactly when he'll be back. But that was the reason for the angle tonight and why they did that. So they've got to write him out for a couple of weeks. And See, that's I find the that, status with Braun. I find that so unusual that they that they would lay out you know essentially Braun's uh, next two big matches essentially like what feels like your main angle for your major babyface coming out of Raw. And have the guy go into surgery the next day, uh, you know, uh, the next little while, uh, unsure if he'll be there to fulfill what you've just laid up for your audience. Well, 
I can see them going with the idea that it's putting heat on Baron Corbin and you've protected yourself that either Braun can do the match at TLC and you just go ahead with it, or you can do the angle now that Braun comes out and he's declared the winner by forfeit and he becomes the new general manager of Raw if they want to keep him in that role. Baron, you mean? Baron. Baron, yes. Yeah, I guess so. Um... I mean, it's not ideal, but I think they're doing this with the optimism that Hopefully this guy can do TLC in four weeks' time. Yeah, like, I, I guess I, I would just assume if you know a guy's going into surgery, he might not make it back out in time for the show, that you wouldn't even set up that expectation with, within your audience at all. Well, I don't know if it's the most anticipated match, but uh, yeah, I guess they're uh, just not knowing 100% if he'll be doing the show. It seems like they're going with the idea, well... We'll worry about that when it happens, and we'll just go with the idea that he'll be back in time for December 16th, that show is, so less than a month away. Do you know? Sorry, when is the surgery? Do you know? I was told it's next week. Okay. So that, so that means he's out, of the, he's out of the Mixed Match Challenge. That's the bigger story here. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Braun and Alexa out of that team. Who's going to replace? Who's going to Who get Braun the... teaming with? Ember Moon? Who's Ember going to go on vacation with? I think that's... The, the bigger question. And is Braun entitled to a portion of that vacation? Like, can they split up the days with whoever the new partner is? Interesting. Interesting. All, all interesting issues of how they, they deal with all of this. Um, other news. Uh, so I did ask about this whole Charlotte attack on Ronda Rousey from Sunday. And I think tonight's Raw probably laid it out that they are continuing with Ronda Rousey as a babyface. She was, uh, did you take it as... Anything other than that on Monday night? No, not at all. I mean, judging, I think, by uh, the video recap, which I think was all these video recaps are, I, th- I thought, kind of really cleaned up to tell the story that they wanted to tell. And you yep. can kind of see that, you know, the direction that they wanted to tell was that Charlotte lost it. She snapped. She turned heel. And Ronda was a sympathetic baby face coming out of this that segment. Yeah. So uh, the way it was described to me, there were some people that were concerned Charlotte might get booed, but... The, the, they were expecting the reaction Charlotte got last night, that the audience, it was designed to really put a big focus on Charlotte, which I think they achieved. She came out of that much stronger than she did going in. And I, I think you've kind of created now a big three in the women's division, as opposed to it just being uh, Becky and Ronda. Although it seems that as of today, the plan is still Ronda and Becky Lynch for WrestleMania. But uh, who knows if Charlotte uh, somehow gets all this momentum, who knows if they'll change plans. It seems like they are not afraid to uh, change plans uh, without notice uh, over the last little while, as we've seen. It's really intriguing, the, the, their decision to elevate Charlotte in the midst of all this, because I think very easily, you know, if your goal is Becky versus Ronda, you could have easily just had Ronda beat Charlotte. Charlotte doesn't change her character at all. And I guess, you know, it just kind of gets forgotten, I suppose. But by doing what they did... Uh, like you said, they made a major star out of uh, Charlotte as well and throws, throws her into the mix with uh, a great deal of interest as well. So, yeah, maybe maybe a great decision on their part. I don't think it was a bad idea at all what they did on, on Sunday. I think that you strengthened Charlotte, who, like, if she just loses that match, what's what's left for her? They've turned Becky babyface, so there's nothing to do with Becky, and she just becomes a background player on SmackDown behind the big program. So I think it really strengthened Charlotte. The question now is where does she go 
out of this. And I guess we'll see on Tuesday night what the direction they have in mind for her. But I mean, based on tonight's show, it seems that Ronda Naya at in San Jose at TLC and then Ronda Charlotte, maybe at the Rumble. Maybe that's mm-hmm. where they're going to go. Seems like it with the way she addressed it in her promo. I mean, I got the sense that Becky, uh, just even from judging by Ronda's promo and not, not you know, what, what you're telling me today, it seemed like the hint was still subtle towards Becky in the promo. But the direct targets were, first of all, Nia, and second, secondly for Ronda, Charlotte. So some other news today. They announced that next year's Survivor Series weekend. Are you excited about Survivor Series 2019, Way? It's going to be at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. Four straight nights. And next year will feature the, the change in the format because the weekend will start with SmackDown on Fox on Friday night. And then it will end with Raw Monday night, which I kind of like better. I like it too. I like it too. So now um, SmackDown. Takeover, Survivor Series, and then Raw. That's yes, the structure. Yeah, that works. Totally works. Yeah. Very hot city in Chicago. And I think that uh, they can do... It, that seems like a city that can support four nights of wrestling. Especially if you if it's a big show next year. Which, who knows what, where this company will be a year from now. They may be very hot at this time. If, if the Fox thing is... a They get off to a great start. And you have some stars that... Uh, more people are watching SmackDown on Friday nights. Uh, maybe this time next year, there's going to be a nice buzz on the product uh, by Survivor Series weekend. Do you feel like it would have any bearing on you know whether or not All In 2, if it happens, would go back to Chicago? I don't think they would um, not go back there just because WWE is going there. I think people, I, I think All In is wherever. If they were to go back there Labor Day weekend next year, I think they'd do tremendous. I don't mm-hmm. think that would have any bearing on people's uh, decision to go to one over the other. But I would think all in two, you would go somewhere else, don't you? I think so, too. Though Chicago, there's a lot of reasons to go back there. You have the Pro Wrestling Tees hookup uh, right there in town. That's a big aspect of the, the success they had that weekend. So there's certainly the argument to just go back there. Very easy city to travel to. You have a great local scene there. So... It's it's not crazy that they would just run Chicago again, mm-hmm. but I think it, there's it's such a big brand now that you could go uh, somewhere else, maybe in the Northeast. I think you could do Toronto if you wanted. I think you could do the UK. I think there's lots of options now that it is established. People know what it is, and I think the demand will be just as high year two as it was year one. Agreed. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, the latest way, the biggest saga in professional wrestling this weekend, David Arquette, he put out a statement. As some of you might have seen, last week I was injured in a wrestling deathmatch. I wanted to make sure to address the photos and videos that have surfaced from the event, as this is not the type of wrestling you watch on TV. I knew it was violent and potentially bloody, but I truly did not know the extent of what I was participating in. However, I take responsibility for putting myself in that situation. For the last six months, I have been training and competing in indie matches around the country, as wrestling is a passion of mine. I want to state again that this is not traditional wrestling, and I have the utmost respect for that sport. I also want to apologize to the professional wrestling world for any negative attention this might have brought forth over the weekend, and I have zero plans to be involved in a match like this again. I want to thank all of my fans, friends, and family for their love and support over the last few days. I'm looking forward to getting back into the ring under much different circumstances in the near future. However, my priority and full-time dedication will always be to acting and producing, and I look forward to sharing some of my exciting new projects in 2019. With love, David Arquette. 
What now, what an interesting <laughs> what, what what a promo for the rematch WrestleMania weekend. Against Nick <laughs> against Nick Cage. You, you that would be one happening? of the hottest matches WrestleMania weekend. And the my my wrestling side of my brain reads this as like it comes across as such a promo, like an anti deathmatch promo that I don't see how uh a wrestler an independent wrestling company does not look at the potential of a rematch down the road. Obviously, yeah, I'm sure Joey Janela would would love to to rebook it, but I mean, see, see, seeing the way that match turned out, do you think David Arquette would even entertain the idea of? of- I all joking aside, like I watched this match on Friday. I know you've seen it. I 1,000 percent don't ever want to see this guy doing anything like that again. Uh, David Arquette is not a very good wrestler, and that's putting it mildly. And he has no business being in a match with the the level of um, problems that can go wrong with a death match. Like he should not be allowed to be in a match like that. It's just they're dangerous enough. You don't have to put someone that their experience is extremely limited into a situation like that. So it is not a scenario I would want to see this guy ever in again. Yeah. Uh, again, like I think like these Joe Janela shows, they, they are, they, they, they almost like, this is what you get. You get like, you know, you hit the randomizer button on, on your character select screen and you, you get this person from wrestling's past and this person from wrestling's present. And somehow this time it landed on David Arquette. And, uh, the result was this, I guess from Arquette's perspective, he thought it would be fun or funny or something. Uh, he thought it would probably be a great way to add, you know, to 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 uh, cap off this chapter in his uh, renaissance of, of his wrestling career. But um, I, I don't know. I wonder how many death matches and how many Nick Gage matches he might have seen before this um, to know what, what to expect. And at the end of it, he's gotten a lot of publicity over this. Like, is this good publicity, especially if you're looking at it from an, uh, a Hollywood acting perspective? Why else are you, as a an established actor, doing a death match well, at this stage of your life? Why is he wrestling other than attention? Why is he wrestling at all? I think for him, from from what it seems like in his interviews, he really wants to wipe off the stench of his previous WCW run. He talks about it all the time. Like he he donated donated all of his uh, profits from from that run to to uh, the families of of. Uh, uh, old wrestlers, Ryan Pillman's family. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, I think he, like, like he said in that statement, he really respects pro wrestling and really wants to kind of wipe that away. Um, you know, we know he's been doing a lot of like more, perhaps more co- comedic matches with like our friend RJ City. Um, and I think, you know, that's one thing. But to be called upon to do a death match, uh, yeah. Again, I, I, I guess I just question how much uh, he he realized he he was going in in for and. Uh, evidently he he really didn't it what a crazy scenario and what an uncomfortable scenario to watch you know unfortunately by the end there yeah we'll we'll discuss this show on the double shot i watched the entire show on friday way did watch this match so we will uh discuss that further and uh, just one other news item that i did get today was that uh, i don't know uh, what show he's being placed on or who he's going to be programmed with but i understand that uh, Lars Sullivan, they have, they definitely have a big plan for him. Uh, so he's coming in with with a push, a big push, right out of the gate. Um, and I would assume it's on SmackDown, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. 
Thanks. It was amazing. After the Braun news, sorry, um, it's really something when you look at the raw talent that has gone down. Of course, you have the Roman Reigns one, which is kind of separate from traditional injuries. But then, like Braun's, it sounds like it's a short-term thing, but you still have Alexa that doesn't appear to have been cleared. Mm-hmm. Zayn is out for a long time. Kevin Owens is out. Like, that's a lot of... Um, Roman, those are some big, big, big names. Yeah, I mentioned Roman off oh, the top right. as well, but... That those are you know five significant names that Raw has been hit with. But you know, like the company is in a state right now where you're so deep with talent that not mm-hmm. any single person leaving will really damage you all that much. It's not like you know John Cena leaving um, when he was kind of the only draw. I guess like these days, you know, you definitely have your big draws. I think Ronda leaving might might make a bit of a dent at this point, but. You know, beyond that, I would say everybody else is just kind of like on a bit of an even playing field and not really one any, any one person is going to make that big of a difference. What is your theory on where the live events are at the moment where, you know, for the last quarter, they averaged 4,500 people. It was their lowest in well over a decade that they averaged uh, for the quarter. Do you think that it is? Do you think it's uh, losing someone like a John Cena? Do you think that it's do, do you think it's star related? Do you feel it's just simply there's so much WWE content that house shows are less appealing than they were a year ago? Uh, do you have any theories on why house show attendance is down? Well, I'm not really somebody who ever went to house shows, so I I personally um, can't really offer that much insight. You know, does the but, John- but why why maybe you're the perfect person to answer that question why when wwe comes to town are you not interested in going to a house show you follow this as much as anyone because i already sit through enough irrelevant matches that have no bearing on storylines uh every week on tv that i why would i wish to do that in person why would i wish to pay money to sit through matches that don't matter in the grand scheme of things don't matter for storyline it's not like the matches are ever that great at least not on tv from what you're presenting me, they're just so, so average matches that most weeks kind of feel like a chore. So to get me to pay to sit through these same matches, uh, the quality of which is usually not that high on TV, I mean, that's silly. Why would I do that when I could pay that same money to watch higher quality wrestling if that's what I wanted to do? I always have a good time going to house shows. Like I, I like going to them. I especially like going to that NXT show we went to earlier this year where I got to see a lot of people that are not on TV as much on NXT television. And I believe it was the first house show tour that Ricochet was on as well, that we got to see as well. So that was a very fun show. You're talking about NXT at this point, and I'm not talking about independent wrestling. I'm not talking about a whole lot of Mm -hmm. other things, but you know, the WWE main roster, I I get plenty of exposure to them on a week to week basis. Is that, does that account for, for the 4,500? I don't really know. I mean, you know, this three hours, the three hours of raw certainly is nothing new. Um, what is it about wrestling this year that that accounts for that drop? Yeah, I mean, it's something that I would love to, you know, do a big survey on to see why people are not going to house shows, because I think you'd probably get a lot of uh, interesting answers and probably a lot in the camp that you are, Wade, that just doesn't see it as all that important. And, you know, for, you know, speaking regionally here in Toronto, like I could see... Many people that their wrestling used to be two or three WWE house shows a year. And now, if you live in Toronto, there's some excellent independent options where you get some big names that come here on a monthly basis. Whether you want to get into the car and drive to Hamilton for Alpha One, whether you want to stay in town, you have Smash, you have Super Kicked, you have Destiny. Um, 
that's just, you know, Toronto's a bit of a hotbed, but there's lots of different places that there, there's a really thriving independent scene where your 800, 900 hardcore fans that maybe WWE was their only option, uh, they spend their money locally and, and they're not going to the WWE show when it comes every so often. I'm very curious to hear what Vince McMahon's solution is to fix the house show issue as he's, you know, let let on let, let us to or let his shareholders believe that he has the answers to. Uh what what could he be, you know, holding up his sleeve? What what could be his remedy for this? Uh, we we got to be more interactive. I want you to tell the fans that they smell, Dean. I want you to be just revolted by the smell of them. Yeah. They'll feel like they're part of the show. Maybe they'll start pumping smells to the stadium. Maybe Drake Maverick will have a hologram that will urinate on the audience. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think about the idea of broadcasting the house shows on the network? To add some sort of relevance to them. And also, of course, to add, you know, to, to add to the network content. Okay, well, let's use this example. How interested are you in watching this one-hour edited version of Starcade Sunday Night on the network? Is that something you'll go out of your way to see? Yes, because uh, at least for this one, because I feel like it's a bit of a you know special occasion, and I'm sure they'll have like a decent main event that that might be attractive. So I'd be curious to watch it, and I'd also be curious to, to watch it from a production perspective. If one were to happen every single week. Uh, I, I can't really tell you at that point. I think it would depend on how they promote those those um, matches. But the fact that they will put them on the network will already tell you that they will promote these matches a bit more, and especially on an, on a national scale. So that in alone might be the relevance that you know uh, these house shows are in, are in need of. Yeah, so they're going to do, to me, the biggest draw of that show on Sunday Nightway, they advertised one hour. Hmm. If it was yeah. three hours, I'm not going to find time to watch that. But one hour, I might go out of my way to see. Uh, so this is the lineup they have for Starcade, real quick. Uh, what, when, is and a- when is the show again? It's on Saturday, and then they'll turn it around to air Sunday night as in edited form. So this Saturday? This Saturday. So why not any mention of it on Raw tonight? They did mention it once. Really? Okay. Yeah. There was a what quick graphic say? for it. It was very quick. Okay. Uh, so we have Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose in a street fight. I don't think they're going to air that. Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin. Well, I guess Braun Strowman is probably written out now, so I doubt he'll be in that match. AJ Styles against Samoa Joe in a steel cage. Nakamura versus Rey Mysterio for the U.S. title. The Bar versus The New Day for the tag titles. Drew McIntyre versus Finn Balor. And Rusev versus The Miz. Plus a, a concert with Elias and Ric Flair. Well, that's interesting. Like that, that, that is actually the most interesting thing of... Of anything on the card. I think they'll put that on. I think yeah. the, the Elias Ric Flair thing will break up a match and they'll they'll air that. Yeah. I, I like to see them do like, you know, more exclusive things that I wouldn't be able to see elsewhere. Things that don't really belong on TV but might might belong on a on a local scale. Um, special attractions and things like that. Um, what matches could you see making it on TV? I I guess AJ and Joe, you don't really lose anything there. Um, I wonder if they're going to edit the matches or they'll just, just air them in full. Um, yeah, I could see maybe Nakamura Mysterio actually will, will, yep. will be awesome. Yeah, that you can probably fit on three matches plus the Elias concert. You could yeah. fit that into the hour. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, Styles, Joe, Nakamura, Mysterio, and then pick one of the other three, maybe Drew and, and Finn or something. And then the Elias concert. And that's your hour in and out. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a, it's an experiment they're obviously doing. And if it's is well received people watch this 
I'm sure they'll do more of them. I mean, they've they put out that survey teasing uh, doing a Saturday night's main event, and that's probably what they would just brand these as and and air them right in the future uh, when they're special. If you can make them feel special. See, I'm looking at this poster that they have for Starcade, and it's got like it's got Becky on it, it's got Charlotte on it. Are they on this card? I'm looking at the Wikipedia lineup, and it's not listed here, um, unless this is the, an out-of-date lineup. Hmm, okay. Anyway. But yeah, there's. Uh, you would think those two would be on it, so maybe this is just not a complete lineup that we have. But it's in Cincinnati, a real hotbed when it came to uh, Starcade Past in, uh, in Cincinnati. I say that sarcastically. Yeah. Yes. All right, let's get into Raw from Hey, Monday. before we do that. Oh, of course. I'm so bad at this. I want to, especially today. Uh, did you know, John, that today is Patreon's hashtag thank you patrons day? I saw your very wonderful message, and I wasn't sure if you were making that up uh, and just announcing yourself that you are declaring it uh, no, this day. It's but a nationally, it is nationally recognized. recognized day, a thank you patron day. So, I, again, I want on air, I want to thank everybody who helps support post wrestling and makes this possible. Uh, the, the, we. Wouldn't be watching all this wrestling if not for all of you patrons. So I want to thank every single one of you. And in particular, for this week, tell me when to stop, John. Tell me when. Stop. Kyle Wagger. Kyle Wagger. I especially want to thank Kyle Wagger for being a patron of the Post Wrestling Cafe uh, you win a post wrestling combo pack consisting Ooh. of a t-shirt, postcard, stickers available at store.postwrestling.com. Well, thank you, everybody. We very much appreciate all of your support, not just on this day, but 365 days a year. Uh, every single one of the days chronicled uh, by the WWE following AJ Styles around. We thank you. Yeah. For all your support and for our shows. Yes. Are we now ready to get into Raw? More than ready. Let's do it. Baron Corbin's in the ring, and he announces that Raw is the undisputed A-show. And he gives credit to Stephanie McMahon, who he then brings out. And once again, Corey Graves inserts that, hey, SmackDown did win a match on the kickoff show. And then Corey Graves shuts up so that Stephanie can say, SmackDown didn't beat us once on Sunday. Not once. Wow. That is so <laughs> strange. Um, so I've heard Dave Dave Meltzer mention that there was just, I guess, some miscommunication or something between the, t- the two, like like you had you know suggested last night. And uh, <laughs> how big of a fuck-up is that? You know? I don't know if that was the case. I... It's not even like it's two different departments. It's all one. So I I have a hard time imagining that that would have been the case. Why would they do this then? If they're, if the goal is to brag about a sweep, why have uh, the SmackDown win that tag team kickoff match? Well, maybe. I, I don't know. I really don't it have a, a no great answer. Sense. It's not really any kind of bragging point that they have at the end of this whole thing to be able to just have Corey Graves insert that they won the kickoff show. Um, But anyway, it was strange. Then Graves notes that uh, 
or sorry, it's uh, Stephanie who credits Baron as one of the reasons that they won states, we are the best. And Baron wants to be the permanent general manager. Braun Strowman comes out and the crowd is chanting loudly, get these hands. And he says he wants a match with this slime ball, Baron Corbin. So Stephanie, her word is her bond, makes the match for TLC with the added stipulation that if Corbin wins, he becomes permanent general manager. If he loses, he loses all authority. So Strowman says that he's not liable and he gets to choose the stipulation for the match. And Stephanie says, well, we've run it by the lawyers and quote, dismemberment is a bit of a corporate liability. Sure. Yeah. I don't know if that's covered in the insurance policy. I don't know about you, but I thought the term dismemberment uh, for this company (laughs) And calling it a corporate liability. I mean, maybe I know I wasn't the only one who thought of this instantly, but I definitely did. Oh, okay. See, I, I didn't, I, I thought you were referring to like Val Venus or or something like that, but uh, that's a, that's a very different. Yeah. So it, if you want to say I'm reading into things, you can, that's fine. But then later on in the show, one of the sponsors is the film that Shane McMahon's wife helped produce on mm. the slain war journalist, Marie Colvin. That was one of the sponsors on Raw tonight. No, Shane's association with that whole thing, you know, including tweeting about it, promoting it right after Crown Jewel, I think uh, is really tone deaf. And I'm I- shocked that this film wanted to be associated with this show. I mean, regardless of whatever McMahon connection there is, I mean, this company has been just dragged uh, through this whole controversy, and they've been... I I don't know if this would be the outlet you'd be looking at to promote such a film. I'm really curious if, like, Marissa McMahon is doing any press, or she's even involved in anything like that, and if she would... uh, If questioned about something like that, what, what she would say. I just uh, I just don't know how a line like this, uh, given all the controversy of late, that someone doesn't just say, you know what, maybe let's not use that term. Like, that is the term that has been so associated with this story that, I mean, to me, it would be it would be like in the midst of the current news cycle saying that, you know, Braun's going to run through you like a like a wildfire. This is right John, now. This is a show where they 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 had the, the heel of a storyline take. Oh, we're going to get into worse on so this show. I don't really give them that much, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, leeway for, for their sensitivity. Stephanie goes on to announce that Strowman will also get his universal title match against Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble, which is presumably the next time. We, well, I'm sure we'll see Brock on TV beforehand, but that looks to be his next match. And if he beats Corbin uh, later tonight, Strowman will get to make this a... TLC match is how they set this up. Corbin and Strowman in a TLC match. So, I mean, if this guy's having elbow surgery, I don't know if that's the match I'm bringing him back for. Hmm. Interesting. But, like, they were hitting it so hard on this show that, yeah. Well, for all we know, next week on Raw, they're going to just announce, like, they'll have the real surgery photos to show, Mm -hmm. and maybe they'll just announce then the match is off. Right, right. 
Anyway, you know, maybe some time off. I think might maybe it's good for Braun. He's certainly being pushed as the lead um, babyface. Ah. Uh, Maybe, maybe, maybe behind Seth, or maybe just neck and neck with Seth, I suppose, on this show. But something is definitely, I, for my perspective, kind of missing from him ever since he started to turn back from his heel run. I really do feel, again, that like that heel run really did derail the momentum that I thought he had earlier on this year. Um, and I also feel like he's kind of at this point relying too much on those catchphrases. When he first started saying things like, let, you know, get these hands. I thought there was some novelty to it about, you know, to a big guy saying kind of these like world star quotes. But now him relying on things like Monday Night Braun feels a little bit try hard. And I feel like they're going to have to kind of create something more, something different and involve this character, perhaps, rather than try to, you know, retread what got him over in the first place to get him okay. over again. Okay, are you, are you ready? Are you ready for the angle of all angles? Sure. Sit back way. Braun Strowman goes for surgery, and he gets a visitor at his hospital bedroom. And we learn that Braun has a brother that he is sending to go take care of Baron Corbin. And then... Brains. Brains Strowman. Lars Sullivan. Brains Strowman. Wow. The intelligent giant Lars Sullivan is now Brains Strowman coming to outsmart his brother's foe, Baron Corbin. Yeah, Brains Strowman. Well, um, I think that would kill Lars Sullivan. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, if Gene Snitsky is around, I think that he'd be a great Brains Strowman. I don't think he could pull off Brains. Yeah. Maybe not. So... Then Stephanie changes the match from Corbin versus uh, Braun to, I can't remember what they set up here. It was going to be into a six man. So it's going to be, okay, first they were going to set up a handicap match with Braun against Lashley and Drew. And then she made it a six man with Lashley, Drew and Corbin against Braun, Balor and Elias. And thus began one of the longest television matches of the year clocking in at over 32 minutes. Yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a marathon, yeah. It was very long. Elias played his song after the commercial. They announced that this is an elimination match, like the Survivor Series. And you know, Elias, like, doing his shtick as a babyface, the crowd still likes the song, but we, I think he was so much more entertaining when he was making fun of everybody. And, you know, in order to get him cheered... They've taken away the most interesting part of his act, and, and that's him sneaking in those disses against the audience. Um, and, you know, like, the crowd likes him. He's over right now, so the crowd likes him. But he's definitely less interesting as a babyface, and they haven't really quite figured that, that out yet. Well, they badly need babyfaces on this show. But, you know, he's the type of babyface that I think, even if he insults the audience, that's what got him over in the first place. So I think he should continue doing it. Like, just like how The Rock would throw in digs here and there, but still get cheered by the end of it. They had the heat on Balor for a long time. Tag was made to Elias, which uh, the, the crowd was very hot early on in this show. They were going nuts during that opening segment. Uh, coup de gras by Balor is stopped by Drew, knocks him off balance, and then tags in Drew, who hits the Claymore pinning Finn Balor for the first elimination. Uh, then we have Elias with a flying knee to Corbin, he climbs up, 
lands an elbow, Lashley makes the save, and then Leo Rush does a backflip off the apron over top of Elias and gets caught. Uh, Elias does with a spear on the floor, and Elias is counted out. So it's three-on-one against Strowman, who gets beaten down. He makes a big comeback on Corbin. Power slam is hit, but then Drew McIntyre runs in with a chair, attacks Braun. He's disqualified, but then the attack just continued. Lashley speared Strowman on the floor. They sent him into the steps. Claymore kick, and Strowman is grabbing his arm. Baron takes the steel steps, drops it onto the right arm, and he's bleeding from the elbow. Match is just, it just has no finish to it. Um, and then the three of them do Braun's pose on the stage as they leave him. And Braun yells, I cannot feel my fingers right now. He said this so eloquently for a man in such pain. You, you need to clearly communicate to the doctor. I cannot yeah. feel my fingers right now. End of sentence. Right. Help requested. Yeah. Uh, so this was their big angle to take out Braun. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I think like tracing back, if your goal is to write Braun Strowman off, I, I can understand why they, they had to go this far to set up the elimination aspect of the match so that, you know, there's nobody there to save Braun by the end of the match uh, so that you could have a multi-man advantage on Braun to do the attack. Um, yeah. And I, this is all, I guess, just kind of like, you know, excusing them for the, for the lack of finish in this very long match. Mm. But I thought the match was kind of, you know, oh, there, just kind of okay. Um, I kind of felt like Elias. You can see the guys working really hard uh, as a baby face, you know. He's, he's working really fast, but it's really tough to stand out for your wrestling when you're in there with guys like, you know, Drew Galloway and, 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 Finn, and Finn Balor and even a Braun Strowman. So he's trying really hard, but I think he's just very limited. Mm. And I like the tandem of Lashley, McIntyre, and Baron. It feels like a, a nice little faction. How did you feel about the segment? Uh, the angle or the match? The angle. And the, the angle, match. I thought, was uh, the match was really long. Um, they, they, I think once Balor got eliminated, that kind of took the match down a little bit. But mm-hmm. then it just it dragged a lot. Um, but the angle, I thought, was, you know, it was a good angle. They tried to get some heat on Baron Corbin, which is not the easiest thing to do. And, you know, it was good for Drew, and it's at least something for Lashley. So, yeah, I, I thought the angle was done well. Did you see when his arm might have got cut? I didn't notice the exact spot where it did. It was really convenient. The fact that they were doing an injury angle to the arm and the fact that, you know, he got cut just on his arm. So I'm not looking into it at all. Like I, I just, I could see this just being an accidental cut, but they're, you know, like we can't, we can't look at the past week and say that they haven't taken advantage of blood on their TV. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of it, and as well, the attitude towards blood. I mean, in all those replays of Becky Lynch, they, like, typically, they either wouldn't show it, or it's all black and white. And all those video features, they it, it was plain as day to see, they wanted to accentuate the, the fact that she was bleeding, because I think they knew how powerful that visual was with the blood. Even with the Ronda stuff coming off of yesterday, and I'm sure with the Braun footage that they'll show tomorrow and, and next week on Monday. Blood, it seems like it's a device that they're willing to use right now. Well, maybe not intentionally, I don't know, but at least in recaps, if it happens, they're not shying away from showing it. 
and no sponsors pulled out. Mattel didn't get upset. It's it's just you know mm-hmm. it's part of it. Seth Rollins came out for his segment, and he noted that on Sunday it was six years since the Shield debuted, and they said for most of that six years they've run this place, which this man is not very good with his time. They broke up a year and a half after they debuted, and then they feuded for most of that time. Maybe he, got... means, maybe he means separately, like the members oh. have. Well, I guess uh, divide and conquer then. He says that Ambrose hasn't had the guts to face him like a man yet, but he's not going to have that choice at TLC. He's learned more about Dean Ambrose from watching an episode of Chronicle on the WWE Network than he has the entire time they were best friends. Yes. Subtle. Very subtle. I wonder if they'll ever do a chronicle on you, Way. And I'm, am I going to learn all these things about you as you talk in cut promos on cameraman? Potentially. I think the John Pollock chronicle would be a real hit. Oh, I guarantee you I would have that opening scene that Dean Ambrose had a lot earlier than August. Come to think of it, I don't know if I've ever heard you say the word love. <laughs> well, I would... Uh... I don't know if I really know you, John Pollock. Let's say... I would love it if you would turn that camera off. That would probably be... You'd probably be the one trying to film Chronicle. That's right, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that tomorrow, too, on the double shot. Yes. So, he says he didn't even know that Dean was in the hospital with an infection. Which, to me, only confirms that Rollins doesn't follow Dean Ambrose's uh, media interviews because he's talked about it. He says it was because Rollins... uh, Ambrose never returned his phone calls during his time off. Mm -hmm. So how, if he never returned his phone calls, how was Seth able to get Dean as his mystery partner for SummerSlam? How did that work? Did he send like a messenger to, was Renee a covert agent to deliver Dean Ambrose as his partner? I mean, how how would this work? Snail mail. Oh, they just wrote each other letters. That's all he takes, yeah. He said during that episode of Chronicle, it was the first time he ever heard Dean use the word love. And he wasn't sure he was capable of love. I was waiting for a cutaway to Renee. Yeah. Rollins, want, <laughs> Rollins wants a fight before TLC and challenges Dean to come out. So Dean appears on the screen and tells Rollins he seems desperate. And that the Shield, during their reign of terror, did more harm than good. And the three of them were rotten to the core from the beginning. And now it's all catching up to them. We all are going to get what we deserve. And I could sense what was happening. And I said to myself, please, please don't go where I think you're going. Look at Roman. He's got an answer to the man upstairs. Mm. Oh, I wanted to vomit at this line. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Because of our running rough shot on our pro wrestling show, God has decided to give this man cancer. Just oh, terrible. Man. It was really just bad. so terrible. Yeah, there's nothing subtle about it. Um, Didn't even get a reaction. It's like anyone that's out there that your argument is, oh, he's a heel. He's got to get heat. You know what? There's a lot of shitty things you can say that you can just say, oh, it's heat. Oh, it's heat. And it's like, yeah, it's also goddamn tasteless. And yeah. when you cross that line, it's not heat. It's heat against the company. That makes me not want to watch this show. Uh, yeah. I, I just... Really, really hated this. It was so unnecessary for this feud. It's like Roman isn't even part of it. 
and they just have mm. a, this need to insert it because uh, we we've got to be edgy. In terms of like scripted dialogue that I think is amongst you know the most disgusting that I've ever heard um, this company produce, I would say Eddie is in hell is probably the the top. But this isn't that far off, you know. It's uh, obviously Roman. Um, I'm sure like he's totally okay with it. But that doesn't mean I think I don't think you should expose your audience to it. Like Roman might have a great tolerance for it. He might be like, yeah, say whatever you want about me. But I don't really want my reality mixing with my entertainment like this. I thought it was a line that that went too far. Um, obviously, it's the reaction that they wanted. I'm sure they're aware of how much criticism they received for previous mentions of Roman Reigns' leukemia. And they welcomed it in this case. And they wanted to use it in this case. I just felt like it was in very bad taste, as I'm sure a lot of people would agree. So the segment ends where... Ambrose is just standing in the back and tells Rollins to come find him. And Rollins runs to the back. There's indie security there, including one guy who tells Seth to get out of my face. So he gets knocked out. And we go back to the announcers and Corey Graves, Renee, what is he? What's teen up to? Man, they, they cut to the announcers every time after one of these Dean Ambrose things and almost intentionally to get Renee's involvement in it. And, I mean, you, you almost you almost think that they're, yeah, they're gearing up to have Renee get involved. Like they're not ignoring this, even at times when I guess they could. They're putting a spotlight on it every week. Well, that's what they had Graves say today. The Graves said, "You're hiding something from us, Renee. What are you not telling us?" She he specifically said that. So, I mean, that's the sense that I get is that Renee would somehow be involved. Graves is slowly becoming the voice of. The viewer at home who's trying to make sense of all this. That's supposed to be his job, isn't it? He's like He's done. asking all the questions you would as a viewer. Yes. Like, why doesn't this make sense? Why um, are we going to Saudi Arabia? Uh, he actually was pretty much the only one who publicly did say anything. Right. Remember with that one post? Yeah. I wonder if his mic was muted during the Ambrose promo. Yeah. <laughs> pretty low, guys. Pretty low. But, you know, this Renee interaction, what did she say this time? Oh, she said, I don't know too much. Uh, I don't know why you guys expect me to know what's going on. She said, like, she understands De- where Dean's coming from to an extent. She, say- she says he has his reasons. But that's all I know right now. I don't know all the details. Um, very you know, awkward. The fact-, the fact that they brought up Chronicle means that that's all part of the story. I mean, the man did spend an hour explaining why he turned on Seth Rollins. That's what that show is. It's explaining his turn. Mm, right. So there shouldn't be this mystery now, I don't think. If you're introducing Chronicle as part of the show and part of the story, I think that Dean Ambrose was thinking about this for months and finally pulled the trigger because he thought he was wasting away and he was being used by the Shield and he was way more effective on his own. It was all laid out in this show. Well, that's not really canon, is it? I think it was after this promo. Seth referred to it. Right. He's using all these examples from that chronicle to explain stuff. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if, if like, all the writers backstage would have watched that show or Vince himself would have watched it. They had a promo for Lars Sullivan. Uh, do you think there's any chance he shows up 
on SmackDown tomorrow night. I feel like they'll give it another week just because yeah. we, we just saw the videos. Right. I mean, they, don't, they only started, so maybe you don't want to do it right away. Yeah. Bailey and Sasha Banks versus Nia Jax and Tamina. It looks like they're just trying to find any way to get Alexa on the show. She was on commentary, but she has it no, was, it's no attachment to. No, to the it was just to revel in the victory of, of Raw on Monday night. And I wonder if they did have the idea of Baron losing out as GM, if that would open the door. And I mean, if Alexa, if this is a prolonged issue, does she get inserted into that role? I would think she'd be the leading candidate if you're not going to continue with Baron Corbin. Yeah, and I think that probably depends on how long Alexa sits on the shelf. Nia and Tamina got the advantage on Sasha, and they're stomping her in the corner. Banks makes the hot tag to Bailey. Tamina lands a super kick, and then Nia got knocked to the floor uh, by Bailey, and then Bailey fights back, snaps the neck on the middle rope, and Tamina lifts Bailey onto her shoulders. Bailey gets off the shoulders. But Tamina was already running towards the referee before Bailey had time to shove her. So you just see Tamina essentially get this woman off her shoulders and then like a gust of wind sends Tamina into the referee. Mm. This was re- this was replay worthy. This allowed Nia Jax to deck Bailey to mm. to face crush her or With, face break her. Yeah. I I don't know if they're calling it the face breaker or, or if like Corey was just mentioning her new nickname, the face breaker. But I mean, I guess that punch is a part of her repertoire now. And then Nia hits the Samoan drop to pin Bailey and Graves says that that could be Ronda Rousey as that's clearly the direction for TLC. Yeah, this was all done to again, you know, promote Nia. Um, take advantage of, of all the uh, heel heat that she had on uh, uh, coming off of last Monday. Um, you know, like I, I know for a time they were handing out those uh, women's tag team championship signs. We want women's tag team championships or something like that. Um, I don't know when that was supposed to happen, but clearly Bailey and Sasha might have probably been, you know, your your prime candidates to win those belts. They even had matching gear here uh, at the two of them. But I can't see it being anytime soon with the way that they were booked in this match with Nia just kind of beating both of them again. Well, Nia's got the big program, so they became the sacrificial lambs. Well, why Bailey and Sasha? I think you want competitive baby faces, and there's not a whole lot of them on the show at the moment. I mean, yeah, I guess there's not a ton of options. Who, who else? What other two baby faces could you put here? Yeah, I guess not. I guess you have Dana, Alicia Fox. Who's kind of a heel. So, yeah, it's uh, these are the baby faces that are putting over the the top heels, or at least the one of uh, the top heels in Nia Jax. Charlie is backstage next to a blank monitor talking about the high morale in the raw locker room. When Dean Ambrose appears on the screen next to her and starts talking to her. Yeah. Did, did Dean have an earpiece? Could he hear Charlie? Um, he probably had a director uh, off camera telling him. So Dean tells her where the shield used to call home. That's where he's going to be hiding out in a boiler room somewhere in the building. These boiler rooms are really popular hangouts for wrestlers. 
aren't they? It's it's nice. It's secluded. Yeah. It's away from everybody. Mixed match challenge. We're getting down. We're getting down to eliminations way. Rusev and Lana are going to uh, take R-Truth and Carmella, and they're going to go down as Lana mashed onto the down button of an elevator. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to miss these. These promos. These selfie promos. No, not really. <laughs> Truth and Carmella, uh, they need to win or it's over. I think Truth thought that they were breaking up, and that was that. You don't even have to recap it, dude. Like, I'll, I don't even know if I should even be talking about it anymore. Well, you you got to go through the final month. All right, You've got a month left of this okay. big tournament. I need to know who gets the vacation. That's all I want to know. And I want to know where they're going, most importantly. They should have to draw a destination out of a hat. Um, they don't get to pick where they're going. That would be to Winnipeg. Yeah, all expenses paid. Seth Rollins makes his way to the boiler room, and uh, Seth and his director were able to spray paint the words burn it down onto the door, and this really made Rollins angry. So upset. It made him so angry that he slammed his hands on the door. And I don't know if you don't know if you noticed this, Sean. When he slammed his hands on the door, he got paint, paint on his fingers <laughs> and then he put his fingers onto his face. So he wiped the paint off onto his nose. He got oh my god. Paint all over his nose. What a po- poor man. His friend turns on him. His friend makes fun of his other friend's leukemia. Now he gets pain on on his nose, too. Dino is really winning this one. Oh, man. Paint it black with Tyler. Uh, I I missed this whole paint deal, and I'm mad at myself for missing it. But my anger continued. We had a recap of Drake Maverick and his urinary incontinence. Way, just a second. Can you can you just talk for a minute? I have to go uh, get rid of my incontinence. That's a real thing. That's a real problem. Yeah, this is like um, when they're abdicating the title. You always have to find like a ridiculous word to describe. Incontinence is the technical term for like like leakage, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Peeing your peeing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Graves corrects Renee and says it was voluntary bladder evacuation. It was a strategic maneuver. And he was defending Drake Maverick. So then we cut to a scene in catering where Drake Maverick's in line. And one of the guys behind Maverick asks him, did you try the peas? Ha ha ha. Everyone laughs. Slater and Rhino are watching the clip on their phone. And they joke about Maverick needing child's diapers. Gable starts laughing. Maverick's upset. So they say, don't get pissed. And then Rude pops in. Glad you're in bladder shape tonight. And then Drake yells, oh, man. You're in trouble now. And everyone laughs. Oh, but what if people don't get the joke? Let's have everyone explain that when Maverick yelled, he said, you're in. <laughs> if anyone out there wants to get into the head 
of Vince McMahon. These two minutes will give you everything into what this man's comedy, what the, what what his parameters of good comedy are. This is it. I guarantee you, he probably was hands-on with all of this. Or it was presented to him, and he has a new favorite writer. Because I guarantee you, he loved this. Oh, yeah. No, this had Vince. This had, like, Kane, you know, uh, Jacob Goodnight having a a 12-inch dick, like, written all over it. It It's that same type of shit. Um, Whatever, man. I thought, like, in 2018, we'd be kind of done with all this. You know, I felt like they might have backstage, you know, come up with some system to kind of just, like, settle Vince to be like, hey, Vince, yeah, we got this thing that you requested, uh, the pissing ankle. But you know what? We... We lost the sheet, so we're going to have to rewrite write it, so we can't do it. Like, So maybe we'll just have to delay it. I thought they would have come up with a system. Maybe Hunter you know, would have come up with a system that like, would just weed this stuff out. But somehow this made it through. This isn't Hunter's show. It leaked. Oh, through. God. You should be writing for them, boy. And from there we go to Raw. Tonight is brought to you by A Private War about the slain war journalist Marie Colvin. Hilarious, but not Just really unbelievable. That's yeah. that's all I could write. Lucha House Party versus the Revival. Uh, Wilder got Penelope the pinata and sent it to the floor. For whatever reason, this was like a three on two match because all three members of the Lucha House Party got involved in this match. They explain mm-hmm. that this match is contested under Lucha House rules, which oh. evidently means that they will have a three-on-two advantage for every match that they're in. How this is a good idea for a babyface team, I have no clue. Why doesn't the New Day do this? Why did, Why can't Sanity do this? Why can't other teams do this well, that we don't, have three? Well, I mean, we don't know what sort of uh, negotiation power the Lucha House Party have. They must either have a really good agent or maybe they're just really smart businessmen. Well, they're the only ones that got off 205 Live onto Raw to wrestle, so they must have a great agent. Yeah. Maybe Barry Bloom's working with them. Uh, Metalik uh, tossed a pinata to Kalisto on the floor. This confused Dash Wilder. He fell to the shooting star press, and Lince Dorado pinned him in three minutes. I was kind of disappointed. I when these two teams came out, I was like, man, I sat through thirty-two minutes earlier. I could only hope I get seven to eight with these two, and instead, this was the match that got rushed through in they're, three minutes. They're doing a whole lot with the pinatas now as part of their their gimmick, and um. I, I guess on some level, it's kind of making them a bit more interesting than, you know, uh, especially to a more casual audience who maybe just wrestling for them is not enough. So what can we make them? How do we make them more interesting and identifiable? Let's give them a stereotype to to hold on to. So on that level, I find it kind of sad, you know, like it would be like me seeing like a Chinese wrestler come out with like a rice hat, whatever those things are called and fortune cookies. But whatever, like it's getting them on TV. I'm happy for them. You wonder if Lucha House Party, Drake Maverick and Leo Rush were just standing in single file and. All right, let's come up with some depth. Sunglasses, pinata, piss. (laughs) Yeah, uh, piss. Can you elaborate? (laughs) I got some ideas. God, and, th- and thus you have cruiserweights. Yeah. He should book 205 Live. 
<laughs> like, he should just take... A, well, I guess he did at one point, didn't he? But, oh, uh, man. I think he should only book that show. That would be something. I would be watching 205 Live every week with, with Vince McMahon at the helm. They have, like, a steak-eating contest so they can all bulk up. <laughs> they recap Charlotte's attack and uh, some great editing here. Charlotte, just the... Uh, the, the victim and all elimination of any booze, all of Rhonda's post-match stuff gone. And mm-hmm. it was like that uh, the attack ended in the ring and that was it. And I think you got a clear idea of like what they wanted out of that segment and what they wanted out uh, of the segment period. Mm-hmm. They aired a SmackDown promo. Daniel Bryan's going to explain his title victory and his new attitude. And then we'll get the Thanksgiving feast fight between New Day against The Bar and Big Show. Okay, is this what we had? Did we have one of these last year as well? I can't tell you. What was the, the, the special occasion thing we just did? Was it a Halloween match or something like that? Oh, the, the trick-or street fight. Oh, okay. So they have a, a Thanksgiving special fight uh, stipulation as well? We're getting this on SmackDown and on Impact this week. It's the second annual Eli Drake Thanksgiving Turkey Trot. Okay, great. Featuring Disco Inferno. Cool. Then we went to the Total Divas season finale promo, which is way not airing this Wednesday, a week from Wednesday. Well, thank God. Honestly, I don't even know if I'll talk about Total Divas this week because there's so much other stuff to talk about. So maybe, maybe two weeks. I think I might actually watch the season finale because it's all about Jim Neidhart's passing and affecting Natalia, which I guess bleeds into this show as well. But that's the season finale next week. Mm. Charlie says that Ambrose, she's with Rollins, saying that Dean seems to be winning all the mind games tonight. Rollins says he's going to find him tonight. And Dean can say what he wants about him. But what he said about Reigns, that was just too much. And while Rollins is just furious, Pokeru walks in the background from one side to the other. There's Dean. And Rollins just, like, what a, what a fool. He just seemed, like, so dumb here. Like, Titus O'Neil then shows up and says, Hey, Seth, Dean was just here. What? What do you mean, just here? And then Seth runs down the hallway, looks down the way Dean walked, and then runs in the wrong direction. I don't know how you book a babyface to be so inept. Yeah, this, this was, segment. No, this was not a good show for Seth. I would say not a good show for Dean either. Um, like you never book your babyface to look like an idiot, and. This segment just typified it for me. They felt, I guess, they felt like the the final segment with Dean or or what is it, Seth catching him at the at the end there would have redeemed all this. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it. I don't think it really. Ronda Rousey came out. This is probably the uh, what I was most interested on this show to see how this was handled. She comes out and she's getting cheered. She's smiling. I don't know if I'd be smiling after an attack like that the night before, but she was. No neck brace. No! That was a big deal to me, that they did that, and she not only could wrestle, 
but no effects. Like she, it was like the neck was fine. She didn't even sell the neck. It was the midsection that was hurt. She had a match today. So I don't know why they went as far as to, to do the next thing. It was a great visual, but um, I guess not not all that effective. Yeah, and it it did kind of feel like overkill between that and then the Braun thing tonight. And then Ronda's was like, I won't say forgotten, but you really didn't need to do that neck bit. I thought that was just too much. And they, I, they, they just bastardized it for, you can never do that angle again now. I don't think anyone takes it as... Uh, a big deal. I guess evil has really just eliminated the chair to the next spot as anything significant in wrestling. Um, I guess so. I think you did need something like that visually drastic and violent to close the, a segment like that to make it serious. Uh, I, I, I do feel like the follow-up was important as well, though. But you know what? Like For somebody like Ronda, I could see them not wanting to put her in a neck brace because it looks kind of silly. But then why do the why do there's the no angle? heat then there's no heat for the attack if it didn't have any effect on her mm-hmm. like if I punched you away and you just were standing there and smiled at me what have I done I've done nothing right she came out here tonight oh well first she says that she's gonna tap out Nia Jax at TLC and then the next chapter between her and Charlotte is going to be written and she's gonna find Charlotte and finish what they started last night she came here tonight to show everyone what a true champion is. A true champion can't pick the most opportune time to fight. That's a contender's luxury. You have to be the best in the world on your worst day. And if you can't defend your position, you step aside. So the crowd continued to chant Becky. She took off her... Like, sorry, sorry to cut you off. But like, they chanted Becky here, and it tells me that the crowd... Like, Becky chants were louder than they were at any other point during her appearance on this show. And it tells me that, like... There are moments when she cuts promos like this that just simply don't sit well with the audience, and she comes across way too preachy whenever she starts talking like this. Like, I mean, last week, I I wonder if last week was even like intentional with her specifically pointing out millennials and avocado toast eating, whatever, whatever. It sounds like in those moments, like Rhonda is criticizing the people that are watching this show rather than you know her opponents. I'll say this, I. I have been more high on Ronda's promos than than others have. But one of the things I really enjoy about Ronda's promos is that I feel like she cares what she's talking about. That it's not, it doesn't feel like even a Seth promo. You know what I mean? Like there's a certain delivery he has that it doesn't hit me on any kind of an emotional level. And that goes for a lot of people in the company. And with Ronda, whether you like it or dislike it, she comes across like she believes what she's saying. Yes, I agree there. Uh, I could I could believe that she uh, feels those things, I suppose. But they come out really pre-scripted. And uh, I feel like there's something... There's, a, there's, a, there's something that needs to be finessed there. Like, they feel very pre-written. She takes off her jacket to show off all her battle wounds... And she says today is her worst day. So she's demanding a challenger to come out. And if she can't win, then she doesn't deserve to be champion. Baron Corbin comes out, not to answer the challenge, but to state that Ronda cannot compete tonight. Ronda explains she has had 17 fights, never postponed one of them. And she says, well, maybe Baron, you want to face the champion. And Corbin relents and says he'll go find her an opponent. And she's going to be the next women's champion. 
So after the break, Mickey James comes out, who in the most random statistic ever, they note is 5-0 and at the Survivor Series. Okay. The Undertaker of the Survivor Series. I mean, she gets eliminated, but she happens to be on the winning team. Yes, that still counts, I guess, as a win. Okay. <laughs> Renee brings up it was exactly two years ago that she faced Asuka at TakeOver in her return match to the WWE. Man, it's already you, been You and I years. were at. Wow, yeah. it's already been... Wow. James attacks her midsection, and Ronda just throws her around, and she hit not one, not two, but three Piper's pits, and then applies the arm breaker, tapping out Mickey in two minutes and 21 seconds. Weren't those um, really weird? The Piper's pits? Yeah, because, like, Mickey would take one. And then she would immediately get back up to feed Ronda for the next one. And I, I found that really strange because typically these are the moves that, like, this is Ronda's finish. Like, it's supposed to lay the person out. But yet, like, one Piper's pit. She gets up to take the next one unprompted. And then the second one, she, Mickey takes it and she stands right back up just to, to take the next one, obviously. But it just, it felt really odd to me. That she wouldn't let Rhonda pick her up. Instead, she got up herself to get into the next one. Um, and then Rhonda grabbed her neck in pain and couldn't get up. And then we got the effects of the big angle. No, she just got up, walked to the back. And then Nia and Tamina walked out. They had a face-off. And Nia just uh, looked at her fist. Yeah, I didn't think this was a very pretty match. I wasn't a fan of, of this match at all. I thought, like... The slapping in, in this match was really awkward. And I understand it's Rhonda, you know, trying to act like she's selling her injuries. But as a result, like you get Mickey chopping and it's like, it's not your typical clean pro wrestling chops. They're more like, you know, it's it's Mickey trying to do pro wrestling chops and Rhonda not really like reacting to the chops like they're like a real person would and not like a pro wrestling uh, pro wrestler would sell chops. So I felt like. It, it, the audience didn't really recognize, um, you know, the, 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 those strikes. Um, I just felt, felt like the beginning to be really clunky. And I, I didn't really understand all the stuff with the Piper's uh, pit at the end here. And, and the, the, it just kind of took me out of it. I just didn't think she should have been wrestling on this show after such a major angle on Sunday. And I don't agree with the idea that, you know, some, somehow it's a negative that she's hurt and has to sell the effects of an injury. I think that draws a lot of sympathy, that here she was blindsided, and it's somehow this, this mark of courage that none of this affected her at all. To me, it just tells me, well, what did I feel so bad about on Sunday? She's fine. There's no emotion here because nothing's been lost. There's nothing to feel bad about because it's it's fine. She slept the, the next day. She's fine. She can wrestle. I think that they miss out on a lot of times of just uh, building up sympathy for baby faces so that the audience has a chance to root for them and have a reason to root for them so that they can go out and extract their revenge. Why? I don't even have an emotional reason to see Rhonda get her revenge other than she felt she was embarrassed. I feel like maybe Rhonda in this match, like I think maybe her selling of those injuries from the previous night was supposed to convey you know, the effects of, uh, but maybe by the end of it, I, I didn't feel like she did all that, that well of a job of doing that. Um, 
you know, to have her come out here and basically not wrestle, maybe perhaps they felt that it would have furthered the negative reaction that already might exist towards her. So in order to combat that, they wanted her to, you know, have the heart of a champion and fight regardless of the injury. Rude and Natalia will also be taking on Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox. It's a must-win scenario for both teams on the Mixed Match Challenge Tuesday night. Uh, we promoted Survivor Series, announced for Chicago next year, trailer for Fight With My Family, and this is where Cole plugs Starcade for Sunday at 8 o'clock, one hour. I see. What do you think of the, the Fighting With My Family trailer? I really did not like the teaser they put out where it was just a scene with Paige and her brother with The Rock cutting a promo on them. I thought this was really cheesy. Uh, but the full trailer, I, I thought it looked a lot better. Man, I, I thought the whole thing looked really corny. Well, especially the Rock scene, which I think, you know, like going into it, you that's the scene that you would probably look forward to the most. I know he's going to be in all the movie, but the scene that they picked out was not a good scene at all. And I don't even think The Rock wasn't good in it. The Rock was like playing, you know, his typical self, but um, I don't really want to see that in a movie. Like, I want to see. Anyway, I'll reserve my. You judgment. you want to see Vince Vaughn running the performance center? What do you mean? Vince Vaughn is the trainer at the performance center in the trailer. Oh, okay. I didn't even realize that. Yep. That's him. He's the yeah. WWE agent. He is playing Matt Bloom. Wow. Essentially. Interesting. Or at least the, the equivalent okay. of Matt Bloom. Oh, the AOP against Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. Gable used a Suzuki armbar onto Razor, and then a chant broke out, which thankfully Michael Cole alerted the whole viewing audience as to what it was. They are chanting AOPP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful run they had. Vince, I'm sure this like this was like the the Becky reaction times ten for him. Like this 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 is probably what he wanted. I got it. We're gonna have AOPP and Bobby Pood. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. Oh man. Oh. Rude hits a blockbuster onto Akum, gets shoved to the floor. Gable comes off the top with a sunset flip roll up, pinning Akum, and Cole says that Drake Maverick must be really PO'd now. Bobby Pood. I, I hate this so much, dude. I hate it so much. Bobby I, and I can't even say, like, uh, the Dean Ambrose stuff is, like, a million times worse. That this isn't even the worst thing on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I thought the match was maybe decent, but it all exists in the shadow of this piss joke. It's hard to take any of this seriously. Ambrose was in a dark storage area, and he called Rollins whiny. And he mocks what Rollins said about him going too far with Roman. He says he's going to break and crush Rollins. And then he starts to smell something horrible. And he's covering his face with this bandana. He says it's either Rollins, fear, or it's L.A. But then he realizes that smell is the people. And there are no apologies when him and Rollins find each other. He's just going to burn it down. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. Um... The promo started off well, but then he got into, like, all that smell stuff, and I thought he really lost me. Rollins is leaving the arena. Kayla interviews him. He says, I've got a red eye to catch, and Ambrose doesn't want me to find him, but he can't run at TLC. And Rollins just walks off into the distance, and 
I think everyone assumed that the man was not leaving because, uh, well, he was in his gear for one. Then they promoted that next week following Raw, it's the return of the Edge and Christian show on the WWE Network. Will you be watching? I will probably watch some of it. Um, I'll watch. I'll try and watch uh, next week. Uh, probably not in time to uh, discuss next week, but I generally enjoyed their show the first time around. This was a show that I thought they at one point they weren't going to bring back. It was a ton of work that they had, and I know that Tommy Dreamer is like writing for the show this season, and I wonder if they have more help than they did because it seemed like it was a very small crew doing that show, and it was a ton of work. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's coming back. I don't know how many episodes it is, but I was pleasantly surprised with the first season. I didn't really know what to expect. And I mean, it's a comedy show built around, you know, ardent wrestling fans. Like that's who it's written for. Like the hardest of the hardcore wrestling fans. Yeah. I'll definitely check out an episode or two. Natalia took on Ruby riot. Uh, Natalia attacks her, but then riot takes over, went through a commercial break uh, this was the moment I remembered there was no overrun, and I was elated. Natalia won't stay down, despite this constant beating. Uh, Ruby comes off the turnbuckle, back first onto Natalia. She kicks out, and then Natalia gets tossed off the turnbuckle and comes back with a discus clothesline. Sarah Logan gets knocked off the apron. She applies a sharpshooter Ruby to Ruby Riot, but as the referee is dealing with Logan, Liv Morgan pulls Riot to the rope. Natalia takes out Liv Morgan with a drop kick. And then Ruby goes for a roll-up. Natalia reverses it, cradles Ruby, and Natalia wins. We had, like, a, an actual um, feel-good ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On a show that felt like every, everything was miserable. We had at least, at least the hero won in the end here. They're all, Natalia. I mean, they're always in the, in the habit of, like, setting so much up in motion for the next month that they're always trying to get heat on everything, right? I hope Natalia winning this one means that this feud is over. Mm. It, they were working hard throughout the match to establish like a really personal heated tone, like you, what you would expect if somebody breaks your um, father's glasses after he's passed away. But the crowd clearly wasn't buying the angle at all. Um, they didn't really care, it felt, about this match. Then Michael Cole gets very serious and he announces Braun Strowman has a shattered elbow. Okay, yeah. Shattered. So, I mean, given that's their explanation, like, you would assume that they're going to take him out of TLC. I mean, that's that's my assumption. Mm. I would say that's really pushing it to think that a guy could have elbow surgery and be back three weeks later. I think that's crazy. So... This might be the storyline out that we get next week. Ambrose is still in the building, comes out to the arena for the final segment. He says he turned on Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and all of your dirty children and says all of you would have done the same thing. I'm nothing like you crummy people. I was justified, and it makes him sick when people cheer for Seth Rollins. And what is that smell? And he covers his nose again with the bandana. He's really going to try and go for this this damn smell thing, I feel. I don't oh. think this was a, a one-off, like, uh, insult. Yeah, I mean, it worked for The Rock, so why not Dean Ambrose? <laughs> I guess so. 
Rollins is back. He charges out towards the ring and he starts fighting with Dean, sends him to the floor, hit a suicide dive. Dean's trying to leave through the crowd and Seth brings him back into the ring, super kicks him in the face, misses the stomp and the the old reliable low blow is delivered by Dean Ambrose to Seth Rollins. The only heel tactic that they have in this company. Yeah, it'd be funny to like think of like Nick Gage and WWE and like the most like the worst he would do is probably a low blow. That's the default move I think they give to every heel. Oh man. Nick Gage and NXT. In NXT, I think he'll be fine, but like on the main roster, you know, <laughs> what's that smell, David Arquette? I don't, I don't <laughs> really see it. Not giving it up. And oh then the God. mixed match challenge promo with <laughs> Nick uh, Gage, on the Nick, Nick Gage and um <laughs> Nia Jax. <laughs> No, it'd be Alicia Fox. Sure. <laughs> what their team? We're gonna be? fox you up. Yeah, caged fox or gauged. Uh, that doesn't really work. Who knows? Anyway. Okay. Yeah, you know, um, Ambrose. Dirty deeds delivered to to Rollins. Lots of booze, and then Dean came back for a second dirty deeds. So uh, went against my theory of the attack the guy, leave the ring, and then come back. Uh, this did get booed. So. They had that going for them. This wasn't a babyface uh, turn for Dean Ambrose. I think it it worked because people like Seth Rollins. You know, Seth Rollins is a good wrestler who has the respect of the people. Whereas, I um, think people like Ronda Rousey. That's true. That's true. It was kind of an interesting comparison between the two because this was not all that different from uh, the night before. The only difference was Dean insulted L.A. Uh, significantly. Well, think about the the night that Dean actually turned, though. Was there cheers for Dean that night? I don't remember. Uh, I feel there were some, like just because it was a, uh, it was unexpected, and mm-hmm. you know people cheer turns, but I, I think there was a lot of heat too. That was also the night of Roman's. Uh, leukemia announcement so you kind of had that going with it as well yeah that's right well uh overall i mean i'm not really feeling this new dean ambrose direction with the smell stuff he's also doing a lot more traditional heel stuff insulting the crowd insulting the towns focusing his entire promo essentially on the la audience and it all kind of feels like a bit more of a uh i don't know just kind of generic heel wrestler rather than what he was doing that was I thought was pretty interesting was just kind of playing the strong silent type and uh, playing up the mystery of like revealing exactly why he he turned on the shield. I wasn't a big fan of Dean Ambrose here. I wasn't a big fan of Seth Rollins on this show. Yeah, it's um, it's a feud that I think people are into, but it was a real turnoff for me. The direction they opted to go on this show with the Roman stuff uh, that that really took me out of any meaningful uh, work that they did uh, else uh, otherwise on the show. I also feel like the cat and mouse thing throughout the the arena feels like it's such a, uh, such a, such a cliche of like a, a WWE raw, you know, that by the end of it, it, it felt like awfully predictable. And to me, the beatdown wasn't even all that satisfying. Okay. So this is why people, you should always listen through the whole edition of rewind away. Cause I got a update here. So apparently the uh, elbow surgery that Braun Strowman is having, it's to remove bone spurs in his elbow, which is not too major surgery. And I'm just looking here. 
uh, rehab can be like two to six weeks. So I guess they'll know next week after they have the surgery what the diagnosis is uh, for or a timetable is established. So it's not major surgery. So bone spurs, uh, maybe they're hoping TLC is, is still a go. So anyway, that's the latest. I see. So he could still make the mixed match challenge potentially, maybe. Well, I, he can't do a match for quite a few weeks. That's that true. He can't do any of the matches before the finals. So they'll probably eliminate. And them. he's also booked in a match. If he's doing TLC, he's not doing that tag match. Yeah. So I would assume that they are out of it at this point. So anyway, that's the deal with Braun Strowman. And that was Raw from Monday night. They've got one more night at the Staples Center on Tuesday night with the 205 Live SmackDown and Mixed Match Challenge tapings coming our way and i guess other than the thanksgiving food fight and a daniel bryan promo um we don't know anything else for smackdown somebody mentioned to me that they saw shane mcmahon in a backstage video after survivor series mentioning how changes will be coming i believe somebody on the board posted something about that i should really watch that stuff myself but well that's got to be the storyline on smackdown coming out of it is how they react to the blowout Mm -hmm. i mean that's you know, that has to be the major storyline coming out of it. So, yeah, that would make sense. Mm. All right. Uh, anything else to uh, conclude with, Way? I guess we should we should quickly go over the shows this week. Okay. Uh, well, we do also have feedback, but before we get oh, to... Oh, Jesus. I'm just all over the place. Yeah, I let's totally get let's get to feedback, feedback first. Yes. Uh, well, Why don't you start us sure. off while I load this up? What do you think this audience, our audience, voted this edition of Raw? Oh, I think they're going to be harsh on this one. I'm saying uh, four. I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go three. 2.69. Valid. Yeah, valid. All right, we got a Paul from New Jersey who says, the Lucha House Party rules seem pretty heelish for faces to be performing on heels. The poor revival, they could and should be so much more. Do they have heat or something? I don't know. I think they're just a combination of, like, being short guys who also don't look like, you know, uh... Uh, Drew Galloway. I thought Corey Graves' Eyes Wide Shut reference was really funny and was even funnier when Renee laughed mid-sentence. I always like when commentators are able to pop each other. I'm going to take an AOP. Poor Drake. I hope this isn't a thing now. Oh, it's a thing. It's his only thing, sadly. I'm kind of curious to watch 205 Live and see how they address it. Or just, he's... It doesn't even exist on oh, 205 God. Live. It's sad. It's sad. Because, like, uh, you know, Mustafa Ali and Buddy Murphy had, had, like, a hell of a match. And I thought that did great things to promote 205 Live. Yet, on that same show, you had the GM look like this. And on Raw, no mention of that 205 Live match. And instead, it was all, you know, 205 Live is, like, the, the, the show of the p- pissing general manager now. And if that's the kind of focus they put on that show, I mean, so often people get on the crowd for not getting into the 205 live matches. When you see something like that, I think that that's, that's the company's view of that show. Like they, they think so little of the authority figure on that show that that's the position they see him as. No wonder people aren't invested in that show to, to check it out. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Seriously. I don't even know if if Vince McMahon would, would realize that Drake Maverick is the GM on 205 live. Like it feels like when you watch raw, that 205 live pretty much doesn't exist. Well, he's playing two completely different characters. So it's a very strange dynamic. Brandon from Adelaide. 
Run-of-the-mill show, six-man tag worked well in giving Corbin a perceivable chance for TLC while building up Braun for a likely gutsy win. Dean insinuating that Roman deserved leukemia was so cheap, the Seth Dean storyline is strong enough to not need to bring Roman up every week. Poor Seth was the latest victim of the low-blow craze. WWE are starting to milk that dry. Sasha and Bailey not wrestling the Riot Squad was a miracle, but losing to Nia and Tamina is not much better. Nice seeing Ronda sell her beatdown with a nice big smile, but her intensity was great, and the crowd gave her a highly favorable response. Complete contrast from yesterday. I swear I could have heard, no, we don't, to the we want Becky chance. Maybe I was just hearing things. I heard them too. Yeah, okay, so there was... I mean, she got a very positive reaction coming out. It was definitely a contingent of Ronda fans, probably a lot of them, on Monday. Now, if Becky Lynch was also there, though, I feel like the audience would... Definitely sway towards Becky. I, I think the fact that Becky hasn't been used any of these three nights in front of that crowd, I think she's going to get a monstrous reaction if she's on the show Tuesday night. She might oh, not for be sure. on. Yeah. yeah. We go to Mark from Vaughn who says, I'm sure they want to encourage Rhonda to use her own voice with these promos, but for weeks now, they've gone on for too long and have become repetitive. The main points make sense, but she keeps rambling for so long it loses some of the impact. Question. If you guys were doing a ranking of the guys on Raw that have it as a top guy, how long would your list be? The flip-flop of Braun has cooled him off a lot. Right now, only Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins seem hot, and the direction they've taken with the Ambrose story just does not feel like it is. To be a top guy of, of the Raw, uh, there's not a great selection of uh, candidates. I think that... I don't completely dismiss Finn Balor, but I think a lot of work would need to be done to get him back up. But I, I think he's still salvageable. Uh, Bobby Lashley, I just, I don't know. I'm surprised this guy did not work well, given all the attributes he has of that should have been a positive for him in this company that did not seem to have gotten him to the next level. So I kind of dismiss him. And... Other than that, I mean, on the raw side to turn into a top guy, I mean, that it's pretty, it's pretty shallow. It's yeah, shallow, Rollins. but I mean, so much of that is because of the push pushes that these guys have been get, getting. Like if if a Chad Gable, you know, from the get go, or if an Apollo Cruz had come in from the get go and been rocketed to the moon. Granted, they all they both have a lot of shortcomings too, especially on the microphone. But but these are all things that I think could should should have and could have you know been improved with the proper guidance and with the proper chances to improve and with the proper uh, characters and stories but they really i don't feel like they've really been given that chance we got a jake from the windy city who says raw was a mess tonight and it was found out that the script wasn't finalized until the show went on the air this is like WCW level management. Stephanie with that line about dismemberment and corporate liability sure was inappropriate considering the CIA report from a couple days ago. Also, an undoubtedly awkward reaction from the crowd to Ambrose saying that Roman Reigns has to answer to the man upstairs. But then again, WWE has played with dead wrestlers and plus death in families, so why am I not surprised? The Wrestling Observer sure has some great candidates for the most disgusting promotional tactic award this year. And are we supposed to believe that Ambrose doesn't tell Renee anything? Kind of weird that she doesn't at least defend him in some instances. Andrew from Cape Breton. I'm going to try to defend the indefensible. This is the kind of feedback I like. No, not this week's edition of Raw. I gave it 2 out of 10. I want to try and defend the Drake Maverick pissing angle, though it might be tough. 
I think it can be a good way to get heat on a guy and get a reaction for someone. Historically speaking, managers and non-wrestlers have done plenty of embarrassing things and it has been a good way for the crowd to ridicule and lose respect for someone. That said, the biggest issue for me is it's attached to two guys who are deadly serious. If Drake was a manager of a slimy heel or not the serious general manager of a brand, I think the angle might be a little easier to stomach. That being said, I can also see the other side of the argument with the angle being crass and something you want to avoid with being a more mainstream company. Then again, this is the same company that joked about dismemberment, implied someone deserved the disease, and capitalized on a loved one's death. Yeah, that was all on just tonight's show. I guess there are other things to be pissed about with this company, if you know what I mean. Jalen from Pickering. Pretty jarring watching the Chronicle on Dean Ambrose and then seeing what they did tonight. Their storyline has disappointed me so far. Dean also looked like an idiot at the end, acting like he didn't know where Seth was coming out when he went through the same curtain we just saw Dean go through. It's nitpicking, but the little things do matter. Let's go to Guillaume from Quebec City. This edition of Raw was so bad. In 24 hours, WWE managed to destroy the AOP characters. They were supposed to be an indestructible force, but now their manager is a running joke, and they lose twice in 24 hours. What can WWE do to restore some credibility to the Raw Tag Team Championship? Did they lose? Tonight they lost. Yeah, but not yesterday. Uh, they technically won yesterday. They won. They won the match yes. on on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. After the pissing distraction. Yeah. So it, it led to them. I mean, maybe maybe they missed the boat with uh, the Road Warriors that Paul Ellering. Think of like the sympathy uh, you would have given the baby faces if the heel manager was you know had no control of like his his urinary tract. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would have taken the Road Warriors to a bit of a higher level myself. I think it would have made for a great final scene in Rocky. If, um, what's his name, Mickey, just started pissing himself mid-match. I, I, I think that, you know, had Burgess Meredith lived, that would have been a great backdrop for Rocky IV. I agree. Chris from Australia. Yes, I'm back. When I went to cancel the network, they offered me two free months, so here I am. Oh, he's back. So Ronda receives the most vicious beatdown in her time at WWE, and 24 hours later, she's all smiles, no limping, no selling a bad arm during the match. Why even do the beatdown last night then? Then we come to Drake. Yes, people were complaining it to, to the time Austin had a gun to Vince's head, but that is completely different to the big show lifting you up onto the apron. How can anyone take GMP pants seriously now is beyond me. Okay, next one up here is... Uh, Luke Hale, I cannot wrap my brain around the WWE. This is a multi-million dollar company that has the budget to hire the best workers and the best writers in the world, and this is the show we can get each week. A storyline built around toilet humor, top heels complaining about smells, a woman gets her throat crushed in a chair one night, and she can fight and talk just fine the next day. They'll have the whole babyface locker room ridicule Drake Maverick, but then we'll switch to the announcers with their serious look and their hands clasped to talk to us about wildfire relief or anti-bullying or whatever charity PR they have going on. Every NXT star must be terrified of a call-up at this point. How can these performers not feel embarrassed to be part of this show? Everything great in WWE happens not thanks to them, but in spite of them. In fact, they seem to try their hardest to sabotage their own stars and stories constantly. Why do we keep watching? I guess it's like a train wreck. You just can't take your eyes off it. P.S. What's up with announcing a network special only one week in advance without promoting any matches? They have a lot to announce. I, To be honest, I wouldn't have wasted an episode building up a show that you're either 
intrigued to watch a, a house show called Starcade or you're not. And I didn't need a whole episode tonight to build up to another show with a one week build when they've had so many shows to build to. I, I don't fault them for not making Starcade a big deal. It's a, it's a test. That's all it is. It's a test to see how many people are interested in watching an edited house show on Sunday night. So how do you promote these shows in the future if they want to make this a regular occurrence? I think that there's something to be said about if you have a show that, or if you have one match that instead of doing the blow off on raw, maybe you save it and it's, and it headlines your Saturday night's main event. Um, and it's not, it's not going to be a big match at the pay-per-view. I think there's ways to do it where you're not promoting a whole card. You're promoting a one hour, three matches, and it's really one match that you're tuning in for. I don't think it's the worst idea that the WWE would promote a short show, something that's not four hours of your time. And it's just built around one big match you want to see. Mm -hmm. It's it's such a tough challenge, though. I feel like they already have a tough time, you know, making relevant matches appear on Raw. Yeah, it is. It is tough. But I would say that I don't know if anyone is signing up for the WWE Network for this show on Sunday. Like, it's just, it's more than anything. It's just throwing something uh, at the wall to see what's the response like. It's very little cost. It's just an experiment. And we're not putting a ton of resources behind it. And maybe they're pleasantly surprised. Maybe there's no interest. But I do feel there will be some for Sunday. We go to Lewis from Long Beach, who we actually got a chance to talk to yesterday. That's right. In the video feed. Okay, he says, shows like this are why being a wrestling fan still has a stigma attached to it. If you thought the piss angle from last night was bad, just wait. We've got more. And the worst part, the crowd kept going with god-awful chants. Oh, you thought the Roman cancer angle was tasteless before? Let's have Dean say it's god-punishing Roman to get some cheap heat. At The one point of redemption on the show was Rousey. She was probably in the most precarious position so far in her short WWE tenure, and she came out and delivered a pretty good promo to get her back on the babyface path. All right, and we have one more before we wrap things up, and we are going to... Oh, no. I uh, One second here. I lost it. Uh, we, are, we are going to Alexander from Portland. Between Nakamura, Bryan, and now Ambrose, it seems like everyone in the WWE is getting punched or kicked in the dick before the year is up. Speaking of dicks, which one thought up the AOP angle? They were undefeated in NXT for more than a year. Absolute monsters, and yet months after they're called up, they're the butt of urination jokes. Lastly, I gotta say, I really like this Dean Ambrose. I want more heel Ambrose where he's not making jokes or saying corny, obviously scripted lines. A character like that could easily be main eventing SmackDown. Wait, did you completely miss the final segment here with all the, the smell stuff? I thought that was corny as shit. He asks, who do you think will ultimately take the titles off of AOP? On the Raw side, it seems like there's an insanely massive gap between them and the second top team, whomever they may be. I would say they've done a great job of bridging the gap between the AOP and the rest of the division after tonight. They don't feel, <laughs> yeah, they don't feel all that much more important than, you know, Fandango and Tyler Breeze right now. I don't I could see Gable and Rude getting a run with the, t I, I do think AOP will keep the titles uh, from them, but, but who cares? I mean, you know, yeah. like Rude and Gable win it. So what? It does nothing for any of them. You've made AOP now comedy figures to fit in the, with the rest of the comedy division, and that's obviously what they think of this division. Bobby Poot is, is, a, is a really good one, John. 
That's one All that right. I, I think the archivist will will quote tomorrow. Uh, he always in, likes those kinds of tweets. So, there you go. I do it for Brad. All right. So coming up this week, we're back Tuesday night. We've got Rewind to SmackDown. Plus, if you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, patreon.com slash postwrestling, you can get the double shot on Tuesday night where we are going to be going through the Dean Ambrose Chronicle episode that we talked about briefly tonight, the AJ Styles 365 episode, and uh, LA Confidential, which is the card that Game Changer Wrestling put on Friday night featuring Nick Gage versus David Arquette. Um, are you going to be watching Being the Elite? You said Total Divas, probably no. Probably not. Uh, yeah, I'll just go through. Uh, I'll probably have some time to watch and maybe... Yeah, if there's anything newsworthy, we'll discuss it. But if not, we'll just glance over it. On Thursday, Braden and Davey will have Up Next, the Takeover Hangover Edition. And then at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, for our Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso members, we will be live with the Cafe Hangout, where Way and I will go through whatever news is going on and maybe take some calls, as we did Sunday night after the show went off the air. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We got to talk to Hansi live and in person. Hansi joined us. Yeah, uh, yeah we took it was the the dark segment. The we dark, dark segment. The dark calls. The yes. house. The house show. The televised yeah. house show is what it was. Yes. Uh, non recorded live house. call from your house. Actually, that's true. Uh, so that show will be live for double double and above members. And if you want to check out the the cafe hangout. We have decided that we're going to put the shows up on our post-wrestling YouTube channel on Fridays. Is that still the plan? Yeah, sure. Oh, is it? was it not decided? No, I mean, I don't... Everything is always evolving. Everything is, okay. is always changing. But um, I, I think, yeah, let's do that. And then rounding out the week, we have Rewind Away, which will be up for cafe members on Friday with a review of AAA's When Worlds Collide pay-per-view from November of 1994, uh, featuring Perro Aguayo versus Conan, who is coming away for uh, his first singles match in eight years uh, for MLW next month in Miami. It's going to be Loki versus Conan. Have you heard about this? I'm not. Wow. What a match. Uh, but we're we're going to be reviewing One Worlds Collide. We'll be joined by uh, Rob Bihari, who is uh, known at Rob Viper on Twitter, uh, a lucha expert who I'm looking forward to chatting with uh, later this week about that show. Saturday is Eggshells, and I think that's it. Is that our whole week? Uh, anything on the weekend? Any other? Anything we- else on the weekend? Wow, this is actually a bit of a quiet weekend. It is a bit of a quiet one. Uh on Saturday night, are you going to be watching Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz? Not live. No. No. Are you? I'm getting together I'm getting together with friends to watch that one. Oh damn, wow. The same friends that you would have seen their previous fights with? No, no. I'm getting together with uh, Mike Bond and Jordan Breen to watch this one. Wow. That's that's a room I, I want a camera in. I was very excited to get the invite. Yeah. So that's what I'm gonna be doing on Saturday night. All right, that's it, everyone. We'll speak with you Tuesday night. You can go to postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com, and that's it.